Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everybody. I bet you weren't expecting this. A super special extra Forza Italian football podcast with me, Dov. Obviously, the Serie A season is almost upon us, and if you're listening to this a bit later, the Serie A season has now started, so we hope you're enjoying it, and you've been on the website and looked at some of the lovely stuff, the videos and the articles that we've done to to look ahead to the season. And to give you something a bit extra special, so you're not just getting the guys from Forza Italian Football, I've taken the time out to speak to three wonderful Italian football journalists and experts on the three big teams in Italy. So um, we'll be speaking to uh, Adam Digby, who's an Italian football journalist for various places, like the Bleacher Report, 442, Sport 360. Uh, Nima Tavale, who's uh, who's the editor-in-chief of Sempreenter.com, another football journalist, and um, a familiar face or from my face, familiar voice to you all, Mr. Ogosella, who's worked for the likes of Gazetta dello Sport uh, with myself, and obviously at Forza Time Football too. So without further ado, we shall get in, stuck into it, and uh, we're going to talk to Ogosella, who's a man you've probably heard many a time before. Um, Ogo, welcome to the, the podcast with me again. We've not done one for ages. Yeah, it's been forever. I've certainly been uh, very rarely days but uh, always nice to be back so looking forward to some uh, Serie A talk well you're not, you're not getting Serie A talk because we're going to focus on AC Milan it's been something of a, a crazy summer uh, for the Rossoneri, they've signed everybody, anybody they can get their hands on is available, they'll think they'll have him so I mean what do you think about the the sign some of the signings in particular like of Bonucci or Rodriguez, Cananolu and guys like that. I mean, what are your kind of thoughts on on them in general? Uh, I think crazy pales in comparison uh, pales uh, to <laughs> as a word to describe what what has been going on. Uh, Milan fans have been used to you know free agents and last minute uh, bargain buys to patch up uh, the squad so this summer has been really interesting and really exciting uh getting the likes of ricardo rodriguez like you mentioned 
is huge because we haven't had Milan haven't had a competent left back in in quite some wise uh, quite some way uh, quite some uh, years uh, and not just like a competent left back just a competent full back period so it's quite nice to have him I think he started really well what about Bonucci then he's the big one yeah, obviously, but Bonucci is, is is like the big marquee signing, and to get him uh, from Juventus, you know, the big rivals, the six-time Serie A champions. I mean, that is quite a coup. The circumstances were strange and ridiculous, and just extremely timely uh, at the same time. But I think just having him at the back with all that's been said about Milan's defense and the way that they haven't been defending well in the past few years to have a leader like him and a quality defender as well, not just a, not just a leader. I think it's going to make huge, huge um, uh, difference uh, for, for this team. And uh, I think we can, Milan fans certainly can look forward to having uh, some good displays at the back after some years of really dreary, dreary defending. I think I think as well one of the good things about getting Bonucci in is because he's either going to play in a back three beside Musaccio and Romagnoli, or beside Romagnoli in a back two, and both of those guys are quite a bit younger than him as well, so he he could hand that experience uh, as a kind of winner at Juventus over to two guys who are obviously going to be hungry for success. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, when Bonucci went to Juventus, he was quite young himself, and. It- he benefited from the experience in that squad, the likes of Chiellini and Brazzagli later. Uh, so, you know, having Romagnoli in there, I think he will be able to benefit from uh, Bonucci's experience. So, yeah, Milan fans will certainly be expecting him to, to pass on something to, to the rest of the guys. And what about him as captain? Should, are you not in the pro Montalivo camp? Should he not have kept that armband? <laughs> I know that actually it was it was quite a controversial thing when he signed and uh, it was announced as being given the captain's armband. Uh, it split a few Milan fans, which personally I was a bit surprised on. I think yes, it's a strange for a new player to come in and for him to immediately get the armband. Uh, of course it is, and it's it's not something that happens very often. But when you have a player like Bonucci who won six Scudetti, uh, who, who won all these Scudetti with uh, Juventus, who is a big part of the Italy national setup. And when you look at the other players in the Milan squad right now, I think it just makes perfect. It only makes sense to give it to him. It doesn't, I don't think anyone else would have the legitimacy to wear the captain's armband and to be Bonucci's captain, really, uh, just given all the trophies he's won, all the experience he has. And you also have to take into account this summer, effectively, Milan bought a new team. Milan bought a new uh, new starting eleven, and uh, so it's that a new player would have the captain's armband for the new recruits. I, I don't think is is that scandalous. I think it makes sense to me. I, I'm all for it. Well, Gabriel Paletta, I'm sure, has something to say about all that. Um, what about the, some of the other guys then? Um, Billy has come in, Andre Silva's come in, Kalanoglu. I mean, out of the kind of more attacking signings that they've come in, who are you most excited about? Wow, who am I most excited about? Uh, I, I've always been quite a big fan of, uh, of uh, Chanoglu, uh, cause just because, I mean, Milan haven't had a really good number 10 playmaker in, in, in quite some time and uh, he's he's quite good on set pieces obviously as everybody knows uh, it's going to be it's hard to say right now he'll be he'll be an instant success uh, he had well in the Europa League uh, in midweek uh, getting an assist for, for Andre Silva 
but he has been out, uh, not playing for quite some time uh, with some some issues back back in Turkey. So it'll take him a little bit of time to to you know to to get up to gear. But I think he's the one I'm I'm really excited about just because he's a player that that I liked a lot since he was in Germany uh, and all that. So yeah, it's uh, I I would say that he's the one I'm, I'm most excited about. Yeah, and he's a free kick specialist as well. That's something Milan haven't had. I think is in the days of Pirlo, Ronaldinho, Beckham all in the same team, and you had nobody for God knows how long. And now you've got somebody who could possibly be a, a good uh, set piece taker and Rodriguez as well. So so. Who knows what will happen there. Um, right, on the bench, um, there's been no change there, surprisingly. Mr. Vincenzo Montella is still on, uh, on the sidelines. Uh, with Milan bringing in this entire new team, do you think he's the right man for them? Uh, I think that's too early to say. Uh, like I said, um, this summer, a new squad been, has, has been brought together. So... It's he's kind of starting from scratch again. It's, it's back to square one for him. So we need to judge him on this season and not so much in the context of last season uh, relative to this one. Um, I think, I, well, no, I, I hope he's the right man because I think he's uh, <laughs> he's the kind of coach uh, who um, he's the kind of coach who fits the uh, the, the the Milan profile. Uh, what we saw from him at Fiorentina, I think, patches up well with the with the Milan identity, and I guess with what with that you know the former president uh, Silvio Berlusconi would have wanted his Milan teams to to, to look like uh, and to play like. So, I think he's definitely a uh, talented coach. I think there's something there's, there's something in there. We saw some really good things when he was at La Viola. The final year was not so good. Then there was that calamitous stint at the Sampdoria but I guess he was a bit of a hiding to nothing in there so I think this season we will get to find out who the real Montella is is he the one who enchanted everyone fans and peers alike uh, at La Viola or is he the coach that we saw at Sampdoria and uh, it'll be interesting to see but personally uh, without saying that I think he's the right man I'm just going to stick with I hope he's the right man <laughs> <laughs> well the thing is he, he can't have any excuses because he's literally been given more or less anything he wants in terms of personnel so he can't turn around and say oh I've not had the right players or oh, I needed this kind of guy or this type of player I've not got him he's literally got everything that he could possibly want bar a striker but it looks like Kalinic or maybe Bellotti or somebody like that will come in before the end of the transfer window so literally this is his test and he, he's not got anything to hide away from it so looking at the kind of the season then with all these players coming in does this mean that Montella and Milan must challenge Juve for the Scudetto or is that too much to ask I know it sounds a bit outrageous to say that they must challenge for the Scudetto, but I really don't think so. I think the uh, the expectation has to be a Champions League qualifying spot. I think um, they got uh, Milan has to has to end in top three because, like you mentioned, they've spent bucket loads of money. They've bought, I think quality players personally you know they may not be top tier players all of them uh you know barring bonucci but you know they're certainly certainly second tier player i would say well, they're better than what um, they had Ogo, let's be honest ah uh, in fairness that wasn't very difficult either <laughs> <laughs> but yes i would say a champions league uh a champions league spot at the end of the season that is an absolute must scudetto would be the cherry on the cake uh but i don't necessarily think that this, it's too early for this squad to really have a claim to that because as much as 
you know, uh, people are talking about um, Juventus losing Bonucci. They still remain the best team in Italy. And uh, with everything that they've won, I think it's it's not really it's not really reasonable to say that somebody is ready to knock them off their perch. Uh, Roma have have lost a few players, uh, so quite, some some quite few uh, important players. Uh, they have they're going to have a new coach as well. Uh, Napoli are more or less the same team, uh, so I would say that they're the most reliable uh, contender to to Juventus. And uh, for Inter, well, it's a bit. It's been in the same situation with Milan. It's a new team, um, and they have a new coach as well. So, yeah, we'll have to see what, what that turns into. But as far as Milan is concerned, Champions League qualifying um, is a must for the Scudetto. I mean, that'd be great they manage it, but I don't think uh, it'll be this year. You're, keep, you're keeping your feet on the ground, which is something that I've kind of noticed and uh, everything I've read and seen with Milan fans in the media and other things is that nobody's really talking about a, a challenge which is surprising because if say if this was 10 years ago and Milan had spent 220 odd million euros on players that would be the first words would be like Milan should win the title but now given the kind of years or the barren years if you like expectations have been tempered a little bit so it'll be interesting to see if, if they can overcome that now Scudetto right okay we'll say that's out the window Champions League qualification but they're in the Europa League which you know is my favourite European competition I love the Europa League is this something that Milan should take seriously to get a piece of silverware under their belt or is this something that um, is more of a distraction where uh, with Montella focused should be focusing on the Champions League uh, qualification yeah, everywhere you t- every time we talk about the Europa League, I'm never quite sure if you're being sarcastic. I love about. the I love the Europa League. It's it's great. I'll tell I'll tell you why. I'll tell the listeners could know why. It's like when you when you're in the Champions uh-huh. League and like you know I go around to all these places. Champions League is the same. You go to London, Manchester, Barcelona, Madrid, Tur- uh, Turin, Paris, maybe Munich. Yeah, that that's it. Those are the, those are the like the teams in those cities are pretty much the teams that are in the latter stages of the Champions League every year. And then, but the Europa League, you're in Midtjylland, you're in Wolfsburg, then you'll go to some random place in Eastern Europe or Russia or <laughs> Norway, and then random cities in Spain. As much, uh, just as a journalist traveling around, and probably for fans as well, it's much more interesting. That's why I like it. And there's always different teams in the final, or different teams in the knockout stages, whereas the Champions League for me is like, they should just give the the 10 best teams in Europe and say, right, there you go, just go straight to the quarterfinals, or the 8 best teams, go straight to the quarterfinals and go from there. That's why I like it. It's different. So I'm not being <laughs> sarcastic. But anyway, but Milan <laughs> okay. are in it. They've not been in Europe for a while, so this is a new place for everybody to go again. All the people who've not been there and stuff, they can go to Milan. <laughs> should, should they take it seriously? Well, uh, just like you, uh, you know that I love the Europa League and it's a European trophy and I take that very seriously. With a club uh, like Milan, with the European pedigree that they have, whether you see it as a second tier European trophy or not, it's a European trophy. And Milan has... um, has uh, has a duty to go for it and take it seriously and try to win it. I think that should be the goal to win the Europa League. It's not like Milan have been stacking up uh, 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 titles in the in recent years. The the Supercoppa uh, in in 2016 was the first trophy since the Scudetto. So no, absolutely, the Europa League must be taken seriously and the t- the the club must go out to win it. 
I agree. Oh God, I, I agree definitely. So we'll see what happens. They they got their I think biggest European win in something like twenty four years against Shinenka, um the other day. So maybe they are taking it seriously because they never stop scoring goals. Um, right, and the last thing I do I want to talk about was um, apart from the transfer signings, this is probably the biggest story in and around AC Milan this summer was the uh, Gianluigi Donnarumma saga. He was not signing a new contract. looked like he was going to possibly be sold. The club says, you're not getting sold. You can sit on the bench for a year. He and his agent, Mino Raiola, decided um, that they were going to renegotiate a contract. He's got a mass. I think he's, he's what, the highest or second highest play, paid player in the league now. Um, he gets more money than Gianluigi Buffon. <laughs> which is ridiculous as far as I'm concerned for an 18-year-old. outrageous. I mean, not even just for an 18-year-old, just for the for his status as a player currently, it's outrageous. Yeah, it is. Uh, I, I agree. But And then obviously, the, at the, it was, it, when this all happened, he was at the under-21s with Italy, and he got he got dollars thrown at him, the, 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 the headline dollar rumour was coined, which I thought was fantastic. But then, obviously, that all changed. He, he stayed and... and is he forgiven? Has he ruined the relationship? Because he's born and bred Milan. What, where do you stand on it? And what are, what's the feeling among the supporters? As far as I stand, um, is he forgiven? No, he's not forgiven. But but uh, let me um, specify that he's he'll he'll be forgiven when uh, you you mentioned his his new wages. Uh, he did something that's very dangerous. He. Uh, but he was in his right to do so. He was in, he was he, he was in his right to ask for more money. He was in his right to uh, uh, to to ask the club to show some ambition. Even though during the time that he was stalling for his contract, you know Milan was buying up every player in Europe left and right. So that that was some some show of seriousness of this project at the very least. But um, what he must do now is that he must play up to his new status. He is the second best player, uh, paid player in Serie A. He must play like this. He must play, and there will be no more forgiveness or, oh, he's a young guy. He's allowed to make mistakes because last season that was fine. He was the up and coming guy from the from the uh, from the youth team. Uh, everybody loved him. He was great when he made mistakes. Like oh, it's okay. Pat him on the head. He's a kid. Now he no, he will no longer be afforded that. And I think that new pressure means that people will only forgive him if he shows up in the games, if he shows up and is consistent in every single game. Uh, just uh, just as people are are, have it, are expecting of other players who in the league who is making more money than he's making more money than than, than Rossi, I'm pretty sure something something like that. You mentioned he's making more money than uh, than Buffon. Like, will he be as consistent as Buffon? Uh, probably not. If he manages it, that's great for him. But effectively, people will forgive him once he shows up on the pitch. He's done a lot of talking, or at least his agent had done a lot of, a lot of talking on the summer. Well, now it's time to walk the walk. <laughs> It'll probably be off next summer anyway. If Milan don't get in the Champions League, I think what the release clause is a hundred million if they qualify or fifty million if they don't. So you can see his future probably lying elsewhere if Milan aren't successful quite soon. Yeah, that's that's definitely a possibility. The I mean, personally, I, I couldn't, I didn't quite get what all the fuss was about when he was. He looked like he'd be out. I mean, at the money that. Um, 
people were talking about, which at the time was around 40 years, maybe a bit less than 50 million euro, for a goalkeeper that young who still hadn't done that much, who still hadn't done that much in his career, I thought that was a good price to, to sell him at personally. So let's say Milan don't qualify for the Champions League, somebody comes in and um, uh, uh, pays the release calls, and Milan can pocket 100 million for that. I'd be all for it. You know, Milan have lost bigger and much better players than Donnarumma in the past. So him leaving is not going to break the club. No, I agree with you completely. I think uh, if he did leave, then the replacement would have come in quite easily enough. Right, Ogo, that's enough AC Milan talk for now. Thanks again for for joining me. It was a a pleasure to speak to you for the first time in a while. And I'll um, hopefully speak to you at some point during the season. Yep, absolutely. Looking forward to it. And uh, hopefully this time, in the future times when I come on, it won't be to moan about Milan, but actually be excited and talk about good things. Well, Ogo, let's hope so. Let's hope so. Right, everybody, we'll be back in a few seconds after this little interlude with Nima from sempreinter.com. So stay tuned. Right, everybody, welcome to part two of this Forza Time Football Super Podcast. I'm going to call it that, the Super Podcast. Um, right, and now we have, after talking everything AC Milan, it's time to move across the city to Inter. And we've got uh, Nima Tavali of sempreinter.com joining us to talk about the Nerazzurri. Nima, how are you doing? I'm good, Dov. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. I'm I'm getting a little excited for the new Serie A season, which isn't like me. Normally, I'm a grumpy little person. <laughs> Insert no, that's expletive. Just, that, that's just that's just your Scottish accent. I would have said. I think you're a lovely person. <laughs> well, uh, others would disagree with you. <laughs> they would, I'll tell you. Um, so, but yeah, this season it looks like it's going to be an exciting one. Um, obviously, given events to other teams, but. We want to focus on Inter. One I think that have, I personally think have been somewhat overlooked this summer with everything that's going to happen to other teams. So I want to get into that with you. Right, so first off, let's talk about the coach because you've got a new one again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and obviously Spalletti's came in uh, in the summer from Roma and obviously he's come out and along with Sabatini as the sporting director. So I just want to get your thoughts on a, another coaching change and how you think... Spalletti can uh, do and how he would f- how he fits in at Inter. I think um, this is uh, Spalletti is the first coach that the new ownership uh, Sunin have really. Th- that's their first choice. That's the choice that they the real first choice they've made ever since taking over about thirteen months ago, and it's quite nice to see how they've made that choice very carefully. This wasn't one of those. Situations where they took whoever was just available. It, they 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 properly had a think through, uh, decided what 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 route they wanted to take, what football they wanted to play, and then they brought in people accordingly, such as for example Sabatini 
who's worked with Paletti before, uh, Sabatini obviously being the CEO of Suning Sports, the parent company that owns Yangshu, Suning and Inter. And also, uh, you know, Sabatini, uh, Sabatini is, as everyone knows, has worked very closely with Paletti at Roma. They know each other well. They know how the other works and what the other one wants. And above all, this is, uh, Sabatini has also, Sabatini's presence has also functioned as a way of catalyst to 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 support the coach to support Spalletti 100% because this if anything this mercato and and every every decision made in terms of the squad uh, has been to satisfy uh, Spalletti which is something that Inter have not been known to do in the past. In the past, it's been more like, we'll bring in the players we want and then hope that the coach just shuts up and gets on with it. And, and when it doesn't work out, then we sack the coach and bring in another one. <laughs> you know, That's basically been the modus operandi of Inter since 22nd of May 2010, and that's been a complete, utter disaster. Now, they, you know, they're, they're, they're properly doing a project. They're building something long-term. And... Uh, that, that's that, that, that's what gives me the the biggest hope. I mean, I've not I've never been a, the biggest fan of Spalletti uh, throughout his career, but there's no denying, my personal opinions aside, that the guy is simply brilliant as a as a, as a tactician. He is a top club coach. He he has the ability to handle big personalities. Uh, he has the ability to handle pressure. Um, he, this is Spalletti coming to Inter at this moment in his career, I think, is the perfect timing as well. Um, so I think everything, the stars are kind of aligned uh, for him to succeed. Um, and I think most of that goes down to Suning, the Inter's new owners, who have in less than 13 months built up a organization, an organization and a structure uh, that has been lacking at Inter for, well, since <laughs> Moses, Moses parted the Red Sea, basically. <laughs> so so I'm, um, I'm really happy about that. I, I, you know, I know a lot of people, fans online and, and especially on uh, Twitter, which has turned into a complete cesspool, mm. just like to, like, like to swear and curse and, you know, he, they buy, why aren't we buying big name players and, and this and that. But to me, that's just ridiculous because if you look at the squad, it's a good squad. Inter's problem last season wasn't down to the starting 11 being poor. It was down to off-pitch off things, such as having five different managers in 12 months such as getting rid of, you know, pissing uh, Roberto Mancini off to the point where he resigns two weeks before the start of the season, and then bringing, you know, Eric Tohir's brilliant idea to bring in Frank De Boer, who knows absolutely nothing about Italian football, then sacking him, bringing in Pioli, Pioli doing well enough for a while, and then they're moving towards, you know, confirming him, and then everything collapses, sacking him, bringing in the youth team, youth team coach Vecchi for another, uh, for the second time during the season I mean it was you know that that's why Inter failed there was no continuity there was no stability uh, there was no um, there was no there was no red red thread through the sporting uh, side of things and now there is um, so I'm, I'm actually very positive I think what Inter have done uh, we'll probably get to that later but I'm, I'm actually carefully positive yeah, what I was going to say is like organisation is something you don't really like you say you don't, yeah, it doesn't kind of strike as the perfect partner with Inter but like you say it seems like things maybe have changed now can I, you, you mentioned there about the signings obviously the other side 
of the city have spent all the money um, and then people a lot of the kind of talk is kind of almost the Inter are forgotten about the, 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 they have signed a few players they've spent a bit of money but obviously because they've not spent 5 billion euros like Milan have people just assume that it's been almost a failure but then if you look at some of the signings like Dalbert is a, he's a left back from Nice Borja Valero's come in Vecino from Fiorentina good midfielders and then Skriniar a young centre back in the back so I mean just look at the guys you've signed I will come to the um, departures in quotation marks later but I mean are you happy with those guys or, or are you kind of wanting or, or would you want Inter to go and be crazy and spend billions of euros on players as well the thing is there's, there's, there's you know there are, there are a couple of there are a couple of caveats to that number one is that um, Milan uh, you know if you're going to compare with Milan Milan aren't under uh, financial fair play scrutiny by UEFA so they they have a you know much more freer you know reigns as to do what they want at least until they have to hand in their books and make plus and minus add up to a minimum zero. Inter have been under scrutiny for the past seven years and have been forced to follow. Um, you know, they can't spend that way. Uh, I think there was an interview with um, on Calcio e Finanza, which is a fantastic site, I think, when it comes to football and finances, which I, I recommend everyone to follow and read. And they, they're also available on Engl- in English. They, ha- they made an interview with, uh, a, uh, uh, with one of the people who, was one of, who, who designed the financial fair play system, um, an Italian guy uh, whose name eludes me right now. And he, he basically explained the situation that all clubs have to respect the parameters however if you're under scrutiny if you're under warning you don't have that same leeway that uh, other clubs might have Um, and that's what Milan have done and also if you look at the squad that Milan had Milan needed to do what they needed to do this summer in order to raise elevate the quality I mean they brought in 12 13 new players all of which are basically gone into the starting lineup Um, that's something Milan needed to do and that's great for Italian football that's absolutely fantastic um, you know, b- b- there's been talk of Bonucci leaving the Serie A once he was done with Juventus, but he didn't go. He didn't leave the Serie A. He, he went to Milan, which is which is great oh, for the league. Skills transfer. It's, it really is, isn't it? It's it's like when Baggio left Juve for Milan and Pirlo, and and it's like it, this is good for the Serie A. These are good moves for the Serie A, and, and I'm really happy that he stayed. I'm really happy to see. Uh, because the Serie A needs a strong Inter Milan uh, to compete with Juve um, and together with, with Roma who's rebuilding and a Napoli that's looking better than they've done in 30 years this is this is promising to be a quite fantastic Serie A season so, so I'm really happy uh, about this um, so I'm actually not that depressed or sad or feeling stressed as an Inter fan that, well, Milan have spent money, 300 million, then why have an Inter? They didn't need to. Inter spent a lot of money last summer. They spent quite a bit of money. This- hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. January getting Gagliardini. Um, so if you look at the signings, I think what they've done is, is basically narrowed the, the, the level of quality between the starting lineup and the bench, which was Inter's biggest problem last season. What they need to do now is what they seem to be doing is to get a, a right-sided fullback, a backup to uh, um, to Kandreva, and a backup to uh, uh, Perisic. After that, then we have everything set up. Then we have a really good situation in the squad where you have 22 players that may not be as 22 players who are equally as good or on the same level but the gap between the best starting players in each position and the players who are on the bench is not that is not that grand canyon size as it was last season it's it's much much narrowed and that's good for the competition uh, inside the squad and I mean, if you look at the midfielders, Borja Valero is a player that Spalletti's wanted for a very long time. Vecino is a typical, typical uh, Spalletti player. So Condogbia isn't, so he's on his way out. All the players who, who Spalletti does not need and does not want have been shipped off or are being shipped off. And all the players that he wants are being brought in. That's a good sign. That's that's a sign of a healthy football club that you have uh, that you back up your manager 100% with what he wants. Um, and in my opinion, the midfield, the only the only critique, in my opinion, that I would give into it is that I would prefer I would have preferred them to sell Brozovic rather than Kondogbia. Uh, I would have rather have kept kept uh, Kondogbia because I think his physical presence, his you know, sure, we we watched him make make a lot of mistakes. We watched him score he, the own goal. He's good at scoring century. own goals. He's, he's, yeah, he's I mean, he scored the own <laughs> he scored the own goal of the century. Let's not, you know, <laughs> that was that was just simply fantastic. But that aside, if you look at his physicality and and especially when when you know, I, I don't I don't I see I see Inter not struggling in, in matches against the smaller teams. I think this, Spalletti's never really struggled against the smaller teams. I think where Spalletti struggled is when he's played Juve or when he's played Inter, uh, you know, these, the, the, big, the, big, the big teams. But, you know, if we can, if Inter lose four matches and that's both derbies and both games against Juventus and win every other game, that's, then they'll probably win the Scudetto. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's, 
but so so you know this season for Inter, in my opinion, is just about laying down the foundations, finishing in the top four, and getting through to the Champions League, and then building on from there. Mm. What about then um, the situation with Perisic? Because you said obviously you're quite happy with the guys that have come in. He it looked as if at the start of the summer he was essentially gone, but now it looks like he's going to be staying. So what, what's going on there? I think that situation is the way Inter have handled it and the way Suning have handled it is just phenomenal. Because if this was a couple of years ago, before Suning came in, Perisic would have been gone in June for 20 million to Man United. And But Suning, given the financial stability they have, given... They that they are a Fortune 500 company. Given that they don't, they they refuse to, you know, allow Inter to be held over a barrel, and 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 blackmailed because of the financial problems. You know, Suning have sorted out Inter's black hole, or in in their finances, and therefore Inter don't need to sell, and have also managed to create an environment and a situation where Perisic. Although he wanted to leave for Manchester United, he's been giving everything he's got. And now he's also convinced again by the new project and wants to sign a contract extension. And that's down to the professionalism of Suning in terms of both how both the financial situation and also how Spalletti, Auxilio uh, and Sabatini have handled this situation as a whole, not disrupting the balance and, of the dressing room. And that, to me, is worth more than all the players in the world that you can sign because that's something that Inter have been lacking. I mean, just look at the situation with Condogbia, where he refused to turn up to training because he wanted to force a sale. Normally, that would have caused a crisis at Inter. Instead, it hasn't. If anything, it's turned. It's 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 just made Condogbia look like an idiot. Mm-hmm. Um, and Spalletti, the way he's handled it, has been simply fantastic because he's not frozen Condogbia out. He's put his foot down and said, you've done wrong, but still, you know, been there for him and worked with him separately in order to to, to avoid this division in, in the squad. And and that's, again, this is something that we've never seen at Inter before. I was going to say, you're, you're describing a different club. I don't know this team you're talking about. Exactly. That, that's how I feel. <laughs> this is a completely new club. This is a completely new club that's being run in a calm, professional and and uh, and and in a manner that's not just for results today, but in but but in a, in a, in the long run, and that that's something that I've that I'm really really impressed and happy to see. And then obviously, kind of looking at then the the, the potential performance in Serie A this season, then obviously there's no European football, which generally has been uh, positive for the teams that are in Europe, the bigger teams especially. How how do you see Inter performing in, this, in in the league this season? Because you've got obviously Juventus are still the favourites for the title. Napoli haven't sold anybody, but they've not really bought anybody either. Roma are going through a bit of a transition. Milan have, like we mentioned before, bought the kitchen sink, and then Inter have, like you say, strengthened in specific areas. So I mean, uh, it looks to me like it's going to be quite. Uh, it's going to be interesting at least. Well, I agree. Um, I think this season. Um Napoli is closer to winning the Scudetto than they have been since the days of Maradona. Uh, for me, they have a coach who plays probably the most entertaining and most dire, most interesting attacking football in the world. 
they they you know for me they didn't need to do that much Napoli. Napoli had a really good squad to begin with, and now they have you know extending Mertens and Callejon's contracts were where in my opinion those are the new signings they needed to do. I mean look at Napoli's midfield. Jorginho, Zielinski, Diavara, you know, Hamšík, etc. They have a fantastic midfield. They have a great, you know, the only weakness I would say is 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 the goalkeeping, but that's that's something they seem to not be too bothered with. Um, and and in my opinion, this is this is a scudetto race between Juve, who in my opinion are weakened because Serie A is still a league where the one with the best defense wins. And in my opinion, I think. Losing Dani Alves and uh, losing Bonucci will hurt any team in the world, mm. let alone just Juve. So I think it's the Scudetto race is between those two. Um, but when it comes to places third and fourth, I'd say it's it's between Roma, Inter, and Milan. Where I hold Inter, I mean I think Inter should finish third. I honestly, my, that's my goal for this season. I think Inter's goal should be realistically to finish in the top three because they have a squad that's good enough and they have a coach that's definitely good enough. Um, Roma, well, it's a completely new situation, isn't it? I mean, you've got Eusebio Di Francesco who's taking over from Spalletti. You've got a new sporting director. So there's a lot happening there. Um, so it's kind of difficult to make a make a good assessment. But I, And then you also have Milan, as you said, who've bought an entire new team who needs some time to gel. Um, but I still think that it's between those, you know, the, the, those two teams up front, and then those Milan, uh, Inter, and Roma for the places three, four, and five. There you go. Here's one. It's a mystery that I don't think anybody solved yet. <laughs> where, where is Gabby goal? What is he doing? Does he just like, travel the world, sit on random benches? I mean, He's uh, Gabby goal has got the best life in the world. He's been paid <laughs> millions of euros and is just a tourist. He's got the best seats in the house when he's play in the San Siro. He just goes around from one celebrity party to another. He's got. He's basically got a dream life. Um, now, to be all in all honesty, Inter decided to splash the cash on uh, Gabigol as a kind of a, you know, look at us, we're we're here, we're buying a big name youth hot Brazilian prospect. But then from Mancini to Pioli to De Boer to Vecchi and now Spalletti, they've all rejected him. Um, I think Inter have been taken for a ride here. I think we can add. I hope this isn't the case. But I think we can add Gabigol to that long list of Inter players, uh, Inter players that were paid a f- half of, you know, a small fortune for, but who turned up to be nothing more than just uh, just a gimmick, just a, just a ripoff. I'm thinking obviously of the Fadigas, the Aribertos, the the um, uh, Vampeta, the gay porn star, you know. Uh, that, Vampeta, that, Christ, oh yeah, You know, that's that's what I'm thinking. I think Inter have been taken for a ride here. Uh, and I hope that's not the case, but I don't, you know, I, nobody seems to want to even loan this guy. That, that's what, that, that's what, you know, last thing I heard is that Sporting Lisbon, the deal, that deal fell through. I don't know. I, I hope this isn't the case. I hope that we haven't bought another... Uh, another flop, um, but all all <laughs> all evidence pointing that direction. This is yet another famous Inter flop. <laughs> you should send them to Kievo because Kievo makes superstars. <laughs> 
No thanks. I think after the Eriberto disaster <laughs> and his passport, I don't I don't like making deals with the game anymore. Terrible. Uh, <laughs> that will come back to haunt you anymore. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, that's that's us pretty much done. We went through Inter. See how they're getting on the new season. Nima, uh, pleasure having you. Hopefully, we'll get to speak to you again. Pleasure was all mine. Excellent stuff there from. Nima and uh, we will be back in a second uh, after some more music with Adam Digby to talk about everything Juventus So I'm joined by Italian football journalist who Possibly could be a Juventus fan. That, that's still up in the air. Uh, Mr. Adam Digby, how are you? I'm good. Off. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Just uh, I'm, bit, I'm getting excited for this Italian football season. It's, uh, I think it's the first time in, since I can remember that we might even have uh, a Scudetto race. So it's it's a good time to be alive. It's been a while. It's been a while. It has indeed. Um, Although you might not be happy about it, because <laughs> it's your team that might lose the Scudetto. But before we kind of get into talking about the Scudetto, I want to kind of go back to you, to, to, to that night in Cardiff. One night in Cardiff, as some people say. Um, because, obviously, the second half capitulation, something may or may not have happened at half-time there. Um, so I just wanted to get your thoughts on it. What you think happened? If something happened, and and if there will be any kind of lasting effects of it at UK? Um I I think it it was just a collapse. To be honest, I I'm not sure I buy this story about there being a, a an argument at half time. It it doesn't really sit with everything that we know about UV as a as a club and as a team. And the I, I just don't see like the likes of Gigi Buffon and Giorgio Chiellini allowing like this big drawn out argument between Bonucci and Danny Alves and uh, Bart Sally to to carry on I think it would just be squashed in two seconds to be honest I think um, there's definitely been a, an issue between Allegri and uh, Bonucci I think the the very well written uh, Max Allegri piece on the Players Tribune which I don't believe for a minute Allegri wrote himself but <laughs> fair play to whoever did do it because I think it was fantastic um, it, I, I think there were very clear hints in that that he'd made the club choose between him and Bonucci um, and obviously Allegri's still there and Bonucci isn't so it's quite obvious what the cho- that choice was um, and it, it it was an awful match it was an awful match to watch and I think the thing that as you hinted before about it actually being a Scudetto race I think the fact that Lazio did exactly the same to Juve um, in the Supercoppa uh, it hints that, the, that there is a vulnerability about this Juve and that they, they can be beaten I think when it's uh, Asensio and Luka Modric ripping you to pieces that's okay but when it's Marco Parolo I think you, you've really got some problems um, I, it, hopefully a uh, Blaise Matuidi deal will be completed in the next couple of days and then that will surely help because Sammy Kadira looks like a, an MLS franchise player waiting to happen to me he's uh, he, he, I'd say he's slow but I think that's a, a little bit of an insult to slow footballers oh, that's, that's not very nice Adam Sammy Kadira is hey, a lovely guy oh, he, he's a fantastic guy he's brilliant he just can't run anymore <laughs> well you mentioned the transfers there. Obviously, the big one of the summer 
um, in terms of kind of just Italian football in general is the Bonucci one. And you kind of hinted there that the, the, the club chose Allegri over Bonucci. I mean, were you surprised, uh, as I think most people were, that, that he, he just suddenly up and left, or, or could you see it coming? No, I, I was very surprised. I think we, we all saw that they argued against uh, after the Palermo game. Um, and then Bonucci was suspended and sat on the naughty step when they played Porto in the Champions League. He just missing a dunce's hat. Um, but I, it, it seemed like that was squashed from there on. Uh, there was nothing. Um, I think you look at, at the Super Cup and you could see Allegri and Chiellini seem to have a, an argument on the touchline there. And there's not a single whisper about that since. It's just it's something that happens in, in matches. Mm-hmm that you, you have a differing opinion and then Bonucci has left and he's done this interview um, it was on Ferragusto so when was that two three days ago yeah. um, in Gazetta and he was saying like the the club made choices uh, that he didn't agree with and I, I, I really don't see what that is because he played all the time he was like the, the fourth choice captain behind Buffon, Chiellini and Marchisio and he's never going to be in a better position than that. It's baffling to me that he seems to believe he should be some symbol of the club. Yeah, in time he probably would have been. Allegri said that himself a couple of days ago. Um, but then, I don't know, it's, I don't want to sound like bitter or anything, but you watch that video of him leading the, the, the huddle for Milan's Europa League game last night and it just looked so contrived and forced uh, and I, I just a fair play to him he's, he's brilliant he's the best central defender in the world but it, everything about it, it it just stinks to me I don't know it's he's, he's kind of like he, without wanting to sound like anti-Juve he's like a typical Juventino if you want Bellucci yeah he, he is he is a he typical is. Juventus player and, and and then you see Milan fans are like, oh my captain, like with this video, and it's like, are you serious? You hated him two months ago, like, and rightly so. I mean, like most Juve players, let's be like, he's a bit of a dick. Like that, that Juve, apart from Buffon, like genuinely, like you're not a Juve fan of. Apart from Gigi Buffon, is there a Juve player that is actually likable? Like, I, 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 I mean, we went through that. <laughs> When Juve had like Del Nere and Claudio Ranieri, they were full of likable players, and people like pitied Juve for being rubbish. And I hated it. It's much better when nobody likes Juve. Yeah, <laughs> you've, yeah. K- you've killed me. <laughs> that one. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, kind of looking at that then on the squad now. Obviously, Borucci leaving is like, he's arguably the best or one of the best central defenders in the world right now. That's going to leave a hole. In the in the defence, and they've not went out and bought anybody. Is that something you're kind of happy with, or do you think they should have went and bought somebody of similar calibre? I, I am happy about it, to be honest. Um, I'll be more happy about it when Allegri stops trying to play Benati and realises that Daniel Rugani is actually a Juventus player. Um, I, th- I think that's what we're all waiting for: is Rugani to step up. And I think it, it's kind of a it has to be a vote of confidence in him that Juve haven't signed anybody because you look at the others uh, Andrea Batali is 36 but he's still faster than Sammy Kadira um, 
He, I mean, he's 36. He's not. He can't play two games every week. He just can't. He hasn't been able to for about a season and a half. Mm. Um, Chiellini has injury problems now and then. Medi Benatia is made of glass. So at, at some point, Rugani is going to get a, a run of games in the heart of that defence, and it, it can't come soon enough for me. I think he he can step up just the way that Chiellini did when he came from. Uh, from Genoa originally uh, I think he's good enough I, I'm not saying he can be as good as ben, as Bonucci as you say he's probably the best central defender I well I think he is the best central defender in the world mm. um, but but he can certainly be the the next great Juventus defender and, and do a fine job there um, and then obviously they've got Mattia Caldara to come in 12 months time as well which is a, another great young player who, who they hope can blossom and, and develop into something special uh, I, I I'd much rather that than see somebody, another Benatia or another Martin Caceres or whoever just arrives to, to fill in and pushes these young kids a little bit further down the pecking order. I think that they've proven, uh, well, Rugani at Empoli and a little bit at Juve so far and Caldara at Atalanta that, that, that they can do it in Serie A and then they need the chances to do it in Champions League as well. Uh, and hopefully we get to see that this year with Rugani. Perfect. I agree with you. I think I think he's a great prospect and he deserves a chance because um, he's not had many since he moved to Empoli, so he needs to get a few games under his belt. Um, looking at the looking at the other end of the pitch, then because he's made a couple of big signings there, uh, Bernardeschi and Douglas Costa being the two uh, main ones, and obviously you mentioned Matuidi coming in as well. So, I mean, what are your kind of thoughts on like UV already having a great attack? bolstering it even further I think I don't know I think as a as a Juve fan after the past few summers I think I was a little bit cautious at the start of the summer when you see Costa arise and then Bernadeschi and you think okay who's going to leave because we had the same with Pjanic and then Pogba left and you, you just kind of get to worrying about if they're going to sacrifice one of their good attacking players that they've got already but it seems not and that that seems to hint to me at a shifting focus in that Last year we had uh, this 4-2-3-1 from Allegri with Quadrado and Mandzukic on the wings and now Piazza will be returning to fitness and, and then there's Costa and Bernadeschi as well and that, that, that hints at a very different approach and a different mindset more than anything. Even if you're, even if you're asking those Bernadeschi, the likes of Bernadeschi and Costa to make sure they track back and do their jobs, which you, you expect that in Serie A from a coach like Allegri but they're still going to be very very different players when Juve win the ball than, than a Mandzukic or Quadrado um, and that can only be a good thing and I think those are the kind of players you need to if you're going to go on and do something in the Champions League and that's really where Juve are at the moment isn't it they, they need to to end this what will it be 22 years by the time the next final well, the wait for lifting the Champions League trophy I think it's long overdue and I think the, the fact that Batsali and Buffon are so old now it, it, it's kind of now or never isn't it for this mm. unit and for to kind of validate what they've done over the past six years in that they are the dominant force in Syria and they are a very special team and a, a team that set historical records but without that kind of Champions League victory to underline it it's, it's a little bit empty isn't it because Syria has <laughs> kind of been a little bit rubbish easy. <laughs> yeah rubbish <laughs> Yeah, no, no, no. I think I think like uh, I think we, this is the second time we're recording this, everybody, because of my technical difficulties. But I think something you said yesterday is that teams need a Champions League to be kind of to go down history as great teams. And as much as Juve have completely dominated Italian football for the last six years, and they've got to two Champions League finals, they haven't won it. 
which is possibly something that could stick in their side a little bit. Yeah, I think that that's the thing, isn't it? You look at the the great teams in recent memory, at least in in Serie A, and you've, Maradona's Napoli went and won the U, the UEFA Cup, which was huge for them. Mm. Uh, Trapattoni's Juve and Lippi's Juve won the Champions League. Milan obviously have been fantastic in Champions League for. Two, the best part of two decades and then Jose Mourinho's Inter won the Champions League and I think if they hadn't won the Champions League that post-Calciopoli dominance of Inter would have kind of been a little bit empty wouldn't it much like much like this current stage for Juve mm-hmm. so looking at looking at kind of going into the season then I still think your favourites for Serie A I mean anybody I think you'd be stupid not to put Juve as favourites given the last six years and, and the players you've got is the, is that is the focus still Serie A because that's uh, something that's traditionally been Juve's focus. We always need to get the title. That's that's what you that's what's said. But do you think that with the big signings of Costa and Bernardeschi, that is going to be another run for the Champions League as it was last season with the signings of Pjanic and Higuain? Yeah, I do because I think especially with the like a thirty-year-old Blaise Matuidi coming on board, I, I don't think that's. It's not. They don't seem to have made signings that would help win Syria. If like they've lost Bonucci, you, if you're gonna if you to look to just win in Syria, you go and sign another defender, bolster that back line, and keep going as you were because the attack was good enough to win Syria quite comfortably last year, um, and then even more comfortably in the two years prior to that. So I think it, it does hint at a shift in focus, and I think the, the club have been a lot smarter about it this year. And, Last year, it was very much a, a common thread between every, the way that everybody was speaking about wanting to do well in the Champions League. It hasn't been mentioned yet this year. I think that is a little bit out of respect for the, the fact that there's so many improving teams in Serie A. But I also think it's you look at the arrival of Costa and Bernadeschi and Juve didn't need those players to, to win the Serie A title in any way, shape or form. And I, I do definitely think that, that those are the players that you need to, to unlock the very best defences and that's where Juve have struggled, isn't it? In in the Champions League final, they, they got outscored by two goals by Barcelona and then by three goals by Real Madrid. You you need to be able to go toe to toe with these teams because you're not going to be able to keep a clean sheet even with Bonucci and without him, definitely not. So it it has to be different, and it it, it really does have to be the Champions League for me. It's quite it's that simple. There you go. And uh, just quickly, who do you think will, will be the team in Serie A that can give Juve? A challenge this season. Milan have spent all the money. Um, Roma are in a bit of a transition. Napoli haven't spent any money, <laughs> and then Inter have been Inter. So, who do you think? Who do you expect? Yeah, I think Inter have very much been Inter, um, and long may that continue. I think, I think Milan, if they can get a regular goal scorer, I think they can be a lot closer to the title than than you would expect. I, I really don't expect them to challenge for the title this year. I think they were 29 points away from it last year. That's that's a lot to make up in a single season. I mean, you've, you've got to go and find nine or ten wins more than you got last year, and that's, that's a big ask, um, especially with a, a completely revamped back five. I think Roma have definitely taken a backward step with losing Totti and Rudiger and obviously Spalletti. And I, th- I think you're looking really at Napoli, aren't you? They, They've not really signed anybody, but they've not lost anybody either. And as we saw in the Supercoppa, Juve are definitely weaker than they were last year. I think it's definitely Juve's to lose, but if they make a mistake, I think Napoli will be right there looking to take advantage of it because I think they showed last year that they're a, a very good side and another year with Sarri and another year to to gel as a unit. And they, they seem ready for it, though. They? they seem very, very hungry. It, it just... It, 
whether they can hold it together and whether Sarri trusts some of his squad players because he seems very reluctant to rest and rotate his side at any mm. point and that cost them a couple of times last year. Yeah, I think I think uh, everything's really pointing to to kind of Napoli uh, being the, the the team that that can challenge Juve, especially the way that they were they finished the season last season. They were arguably kind of the the best team in the league towards the end of the season, and then like you say, they've got another year under their belt, and it's same number of same play. This it's exactly the same players. I mean, the, the team they put out against Nice was essentially the team they finished the last season. What well, was the team they finished last season with? So, where, assuming they get to the Champions League, they might strengthen with a, maybe a couple of big name signings as well, which would maybe make them even stronger. Yeah, I think that. I think that's the thing. Is that a lot of their season is going to depend on the Champions League. They, they took a, a strong lead in the first leg of their playoff. If they go through, yeah, hopefully they'll go and sign somebody. If they if they were to go out, though, I think there, there were some comments from De Laurent last week that they might sell a few players and if that means kind of squad players like Pavoletti and Tonelli it might, it might hurt them in the long run if they are going to mount a Scudetto push because they, they don't have the biggest squad as it is and if they, they sacrifice some of that depth it could hurt them even more but I don't think that they will go out they seem to be fully in control against Nice so indeed right well we won't talk about Napoli anymore that's not what we're here for um, so yeah that, that's pretty much us done Adam so uh, thank you very much for taking some time out to talk to us and uh, hopefully we'll get to speak to you during the season as well yeah I'll talk to you soon thank you so there we have it, everybody. The big three are covered. Milan, Juve, Arinza. The three experts on Italian football and the respective teams as well. If you're a Roma fan or an Apple fan or Fiorentina or Lazio, go and listen to the other guys in the main pod, which is uh, which was done earlier on the week, and they spoke a bit about them. Um, and basically what we're going to do throughout the season is um, we're going to have the main Forza Time Football podcast, which will be done by Connor and the guys... On uh, on a Monday, and then the, the there'll be a second one with myself uh, sporadically. I possibly every week or pro- probably every couple of weeks, where I talk to a well-known figure in Italian football and uh, focus on a specific topic or team or things like that. So look out for them as the season goes on. And remember, do check out ForzaItaliaFootball.com for all your Italian football needs. We've got everything there. Where is it? News, features, podcasts videos, everything you could possibly want uh, to do with Italian football. So go in there and support us. Follow us on Twitter at Serie A FFC. We're on Facebook as well, so just search for us on there. And if you'd be so kind, we've got a Patreon page as well, uh, which is patreon.com forward slash Forza Italian Football. And there's links on the website and, st- and, and the videos and stuff like that. So if you would be so kind, anything you could give us would be very, very, very much appreciated as it helps us deliver uh, all this fantastic cultural content to you. And for some patrons, you will get you can get some special gifts as well. So go on, on to patreon.com forward slash Forza Italian Football and you can have a look at some of the rewards and things like that that you can get as well if you become one of our patrons. So, I hope you enjoyed this super pod. Uh, it was a lot longer than I expected it to be but uh, in future we'll be trying to keep it less than, than 30 minutes. Um, and enjoy the new Serie A season as it promises to be a very, very exciting one. 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.